Supernatural Expounded Universe, Season 8, Episode 6, Shadow Catastrophe. The book, Star Trek Next Generation X-Men Planet X. The year, I told you last time, don't press me. Chapters 15 through 17, with your hosts, Jeff and John. Let's go. A person who would stick his dick through a hole in a shower wall has no honor. That's what I do. I press the button that says cloak. Such is my distaste for Cyclops. Anyone sees you fucking this statue, they know you want to fuck. Welcome back to Expounded Universe. I'm your host, Jeff, joined as always by my good friend, John. Uh, he has yet to earn his host wings. We're working on it. Well, yeah, I gotta, I guess, make a guy appreciate his life mm-hmm. by showing him what it would be like if he was never born, and then I'll earn my co-host wings. <laughs> is, is that what co-hosts do? Yeah. I thought they, like, advertised for turf companies on the side and mostly just sat next to the celebrity and said, yes, sir. Yes. <laughs> I know. <laughs> you are correct, sir. <laughs> Well, you'd be pretty good at that, right? Oh, yeah. I could just be someone's, like, dumb toady on a couch. Mm-hmm. Be like, ha, 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 you, you're right on that one. <laughs> Ooh, yeah. Ooh, those clowns in Congress. Uh, the costume for Halloween, sir. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have a Halloween costume? I don't. I don't have any plans. There was a party that I could have gone to yesterday. Mm-hmm. Didn't. Instead... We went to go see a movie yesterday. We saw a movie. I'm so, did I, was I holding you up from a party? I didn't know that there was one. So. Oh, there was one. I just completely was like, eh. I thought I was going to be uh, recording a thing, and then that didn't happen. And so instead, I was like, ah, oh, whatever. I'll just watch this movie. I don't give a shit. No. Okay, well, I'm sorry if it was... It sounds like it wasn't my fault that you didn't go to the party. No, but- it was my own just non-wanting to go to a party. I mean, I missed a party the night before that as well. I'm just like, nah, parties? Nah. Nah. <laughs> Look, everyone who's inviting John to parties but not me, I would go to your parties. I like parties. Yeah, Jeff will go there. Even if it's awful, he'll yeah, go to that party. I will. And I'll just spend the, and whole, time. He'll spend the whole time texting me that, about how dumb the party is. That dude was classic, though. <laughs> I mean, that dude was from old times. That dude belongs in a museum. Yeah, I was at a party a couple of nights ago, uh, and I I met a dude that was just like a picture. Like, just- oh, he stepped out of like nineteen ninety nine, two thousand, and you were like, wow. I, I I texted John about ten minutes after meeting. This. Sorry, we're gonna we're gonna have a. Do, There's gonna be a digression here. Don't worry. Th- let's go ahead and establish early on that literally nothing of relevance happens in these chapters. We could sum up everything that happens all three chapters in about two sentences. So. I'm at this party, and this dude comes in about halfway through my time there. Uh, after 10 minutes of knowing him, I have to tell John out about him, because in those 10 minutes, he had made no less than five different Monty Python sketch jokes uh, from multiple sources. He had a whole thing where he was doing that Mr. Creosote routine. Uh, he had some some of the fierce wabbit pointy teeth thing from Holy Grail. Oh. He did some of the dead parrot. Great. On and on like that. Uh, he he did an extended Cartman impression. <laughs> <laughs> he mentioned that he owns Ninja Stars. Yeah, this guy. Ooh, <laughs> it's it is. There is a theory that everyone in high school had or knew a trench coat friend. Yeah, you've all had you all had a trench coat friend. Maybe you were the trench coat friend, or maybe someone you knew had a trench coat friend and they weren't really your friend, but you knew of them. Yeah, there everyone everyone growing up had a trench coat friend. Now I know that this can be an insensitive topic at this point because of Columbine, but I'm talking But that about, was a long time ago, yeah. and who gives a shit? And I'm talking about a significantly more benign variety of trench coat friend. Yeah, the trench coat friend who was like I I listen to some cool metal, and I've got opinions about nerdy things, but also I own a katana and ninja stars, yeah. and I have an ironic briefcase that I write Eat the Rich on. I definitely brought a gas mask to school once. Yeah, just someone who's like, I gotta test the limits of what they'll let me get away with. Yeah, I had a trench coat friend who introduced me to Typo Negative and then got mad when he found out I was only listening to the soft stuff by Typo Negative. <laughs> <laughs> We had our jokes ready on this guy right away. We were like, all right, if I could see inside this guy's CD album, I would know everything there is to know about him. I, I, I would went ahead and put forward on the docket that he definitely has an albums by both Green Jello and Green Jelly. 
Yeah, it was one of those things where I was like, you asked me what you think his favorite movie would be, <laughs> yep. and immediately I was like, oh, Dark Knight, wait, no, this is the type of guy that would have to do something earlier. He's not going to say anything modern. It might be Dark Knight now. I mean, it isn't, because I actually went ahead and asked him just to find out, uh, but I was, I was, my guess was on Boondock Saints. Which is a great guess. Yeah, it turned out it was Empire Strikes Back. Which makes perfect sense. It's its own certain type, it's another part of Trench Code Friend. Yeah. So uh, so anyway, you know, if you've still got a trend, if you're like still a high school age listener or a college age listener, just, then, then treat your trench coat friend nicely so they don't kill anybody. But, you know, ultimately they're going to grow up, shave the stupid ponytail off and manage GNC for the rest of their life. So uh, so be nice to them now. They're great. Honestly, mm-hmm. I love the trench coat friend. Yeah, trench coat friends are fantastic. I very briefly dabbled in being the trench coat friend. Mm-hmm. Didn't work for me. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, probably because you didn't have an access to a ready source of ninja stars, things that you purport to be poisonous, and old Playboy magazines. Yeah, no, I just didn't. I didn't have the level of interest in being that committed. Over the top. Yeah, because it, it requires a certain amount of commitment. No, oh, yeah, you've got to really commit to it. And I was like, uh, I dabbled and then went, no. I don't think I can do this. So, I don't think I'm ready to commit myself fully to being the trench coat friend. So in the style of those old Bud Light commercials from way back in the day, here's to you, trench coat friend. <laughs> I hope those were for Bud Light. I don't fucking care. That shows you how much that advertisement worked on me, I guess. <laughs> oh, speaking of <laughs> Bud Light and Budweiser, he did give a what's up. That's right. I forgot because I sent you that message as well. He dropped a good long what's up when he came into the house. Ugh. John asked me where his ironic briefcase was, and I was like, he doesn't have one, but that's only because he didn't have shoulder space for it because he brought his own laptop and tablet and a duffel bag, and within minutes of being in the house, he unpacked them, set up speakers, and started playing fart noises through an app on his tablet. <laughs> And there you have it, friends. There you have it. <laughs> he heard me make a reference to the hitchhiker at the end of the universe and said, maybe we are best friends. <clears throat> and I was like, no, I doubt it. But, you know, maybe we are close friends, Mr. Trenchcoat friend. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Guy who's wearing two necklaces. One of them has two bullets on it. And the other one has a shark tooth. Oh, it's gorgeous. <laughs> I just I want to preserve him for all time. <laughs> right. It, I mean, my my personal thought upon hearing all this was, it's a time traveler that didn't quite do enough homework. Yeah, no, absolutely. He, he's off by like fifteen or so years, basically. Yeah. Uh, he he showed up to the party. This isn't a costume party, by the way, but he showed up to the party in a uh, plague doctor getup. And he just wears that normally. No, no, it was his Halloween <laughs> costume, which honestly made me sad because it meant that he wasn't dressed as the crow. <laughs> Well, no, your your trench coat friend doesn't dress as the crow. That's your gothy friend. Oh, I guess you got me there. Uh, mine was both of those things, I guess. Aww. Okay. See, so- I had an entire goth crew and then a trench coat friend. <laughs> and never the twain shall meet. No. Okay. Well, anyway, John, you want to talk about uh, Star Trek and the X-Men? Might as well. I mean, it's what we're here to do. <laughs> it is the job. It is it's, technically it's, what we're supposed to do. It's not inherent upon us to report on trench coat friends. Yeah. Although, you know, if a new podcast needed to be birthed forth into the world, I could hardly think of a better name for one than trench coat friends. I mean, trench coat friends does sound like an amazing podcast. I'm going to check and see if that exists now. <laughs> Dibs otherwise. Uh, so, when last we left our book... Uh, Captain Picard had just been called away from Storm uh, because there was an urgent priority message from Admiral Kashiwada. And this is a great example to see just how little this book has, like, in terms of content. Because it's like, the opening of Chapter 15 is, Captain Picard walked into his ready room. He sat down at his desk. He turned to face his desk in the chair that he sat down in. (laughs) He, he turned reached- on his <laughs> little tablet thing. And then he set it to the view screen mode that would let Ka- Do- uh, Admiral Kashiwada look at him. Then he began talking to Admiral Kashiwada. <laughs> In summation. <laughs> the, the holodeck is a land of contrast. Uh, so, yeah, at this point, Kashiwada is just like, yo, uh, big emergency. Shit's gotten real somewhere. And, of course... We have to note that normally Kashiwada is super, like, 
uh, niceties, and he wants to go through the whole, like, and how are you? Yeah, he's a small talker. He likes to go through the whole formal arrangement of whenever he's speaking with other uh, Starfleet officers. Yeah, he's just like, oh, it's a pleasure to see you again. How's mm-hmm. the kids? Yeah. Reminds me of that great TIG episode where there's a dude who's, like, uh, they have to go to some meeting with an admiral who's famous for his pointless small talk, <laughs> and they, they sick data on him after exp- informing data of what small talk is and how to do it. And the two of them were just chasing after each other, reciting anecdotes and trying to top each other with bullshit conversation. Please tell me it's Jellical. Uh, no, not Jellical. Sadly, oh, I, I know who Jellical is. I love that guy. <laughs> yeah, Jellical's a serious businessman. He, he's not that Kurtwood Smith or something. I don't know. Anyway, yeah, any any a- hoozles. Anyway, any hoozle McBees. Go ahead, John. So yeah, because he dispenses with the niceties, Picard's just like, "Ooh, this has to be important." And then we finally get, after 117 pages... And 14 chapters. The the name Joldia is actually mentioned to anyone on the Enterprise. Uh-huh. Great. So, so Kashiwata basically says, like, all right, so are you familiar with the Antichaeus system? Of course I am. I'm familiar with every system. <laughs> it's me. I'm, I'm a main character. Yeah. He's like, well, Kashiwa's like, okay, so here's the deal. There's one planet there. You know Jaldia. Uh, yes, Federation friends, but not members. We'll have to attend their initiation. Mm. Yes, Federation trench coat friends. <laughs> They're Federation <laughs> trench coat friends. I wonder what planet is actually Federation trench coat friends. Is it just the Klingons? <laughs> I mean, I'd say the Romulans, but they're not like friends exactly. No. Uh I mean, part of me wants to say the Cardassians are the Federation trench coat friends. I can see that. They, they do act very similarly to trench coat friends. Yeah. They're way more into, like, OPSEC info than any than any reasonable person you know at high school. I mean, oddly enough, I would say the Klingons are your punk friend. No, I can see that. That makes sense. Yeah. They're just violent for no aggressive yeah, just, for no reason. They're just yeah. angry. They got and... so much boundless energy. Yeah, they got energy. They're angry. They're drinking. Uh-huh. They're fighting. And they love music. Yeah, and they they love Klingon opera. And they love baseball. Yeah, Klingons love And they ba- love St. Demas. <laughs> Christ. Yeah, okay. that's right. All right, fine. No, no, no. I'm on board. Uh, okay. Anyway, so you're familiar with Jaldia, Captain Picard? Of course I am. Oh, great. Well, then, uh, just the government of Jaldia has contacted us, and shit has gone down, and they request our assistance. Mm-hmm. Well, then I'll go to them straight away. Yeah, they're like, oh, uh, so, turns out there's, uh, super people there. <laughs> yeah, so it turns out there's people there who are developing super abilities. Uh, they tried to stop them. or so. there's, there's very little information available at the, at the moment. You just need to get out there. You're authorized to go there at Warp 9. You're about a day away at Warp 9. You are, coincidentally, the closest ship. Yeah, you're the only one that could get there remotely soon. Yes. So uh, then we jump right to uh, them telling them being Picard and Riker, uh, Lieutenant Sovar, about this, since he's the only Jaldian basically in Starfleet. He's the first Jaldian in Starfleet, and... Uh, so Picard doesn't really tell anyone anything. He just calls Riker up from his ready room. He's like, Riker, set course for Jaldia. Warp 9. And go ahead and tell that Jaldian kid all about this. Yeah, and Riker doesn't even know what to tell him. He's just like, hey, you're from Jaldia, right? Uh, of course, sir. Well, I'd love to tell you what was going on, and I will when I can. <laughs> uh, Perhaps over drinks. <laughs> God damn it, Riker. <laughs> Keep it in your fucking pants. I'm not wearing pants. It's a onesie. Uh, uh, there is a flap in the back, though. <laughs> no zippers. There's no zippers in the future. Uh, have you ever been in a bathhouse before? <laughs> have you ever been at a romantic picnic at the sunset? Let me ask you something, son. Do you like Romulan movies? <sighs> so we cut over to Chancellor Amon, mm-hmm. who is discussing with Tollet about... The shit. They've already tried to send out a, you know, their original distress call when they uh, first heard yeah. that the uh, the transformed had escaped. Yes, so they sent forth for Federation 8 at that point, and that call has been received. 
Yeah, so that's what they're responding to. But at this point, they're like, uh, we have something more pressing to respond to now. Yeah, because be- it opens with Talit and Amon talking to each other, and Talit's just being like, yeah, I think you're right. I think we definitely need to catch these Verdeen guys, and I'll try to do it without killing them. And, and uh, you know, that's, I'm, that's- I'm glad Starfleet's going to respond. Yeah. Like, I think that was the right move. We definitely should call them in for this, because we don't have the ability to handle this shit. But Talit is rapidly ejected from the conversation as Amon's... At view- velocity. At velocity. <laughs> As Ammon's view screen is filled up by an interrupting call from, what was his name, Mozar? Oh, yeah, Mozambique. M- M- Razom, Mozar. Morna. Zor- Morna? Okay, Morna. Uh, where Morn g- suddenly calls in. Morn calls in, has the best stories. <laughs> Just won't turns shut out, up that Morn. It turns out Morn constantly talks on the books because there's no voice acting required. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, uh, no, it's it's Morna. So a, a lady Morn calls in. <laughs> lady Morn. Have you seen Morn? If I find out he's at the bar again, I'll whack him with this rolling pin. I will. <laughs> oh, I'm so angry. <laughs> also, if you see Sean Cassidy, let me know. <laughs> that scoundrel. <laughs> what actually happens is that Morna is a, is a uh, colossally fat, sweaty guy. Yeah, he is. Just picture. He's a Baron Harkonnen type. (laughs) I was going to say, picture a southern gentleman lawyer, (laughs) seersucker suit, just dabbing at his forehead. Just picture that dude who was running for mayor in Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? Yeah, pretty much that. There you go. (laughs) That's Morna. Pappy (laughs) O'Daniel. Now, Morna is the, uh, like, communications person Mm -hmm. who is in charge of being able to make sure that they can actually, you know, communicate and... Something is happening to the satellites. You see, it turns out that an evil ship has descended from behind the moon. <laughs> uh, and it's it's up to Jeff Goldblum. It, this is one of those things that happens in Star Trek all the time, where they're like, we'll hide behind the moon. They won't be able to see us. It's tidally locked. And why don't... Why don't these people who own their local space space not, like, go put cameras on that side of the moon? Space. Well, space. you know, it's airspace with space. Uh, so they, they, or, they they own their kind of orbital zone. They should just go put some sensors on the dark side of the moon, you know, in case of evil ship. You know, in case some ship wants to hide there. Yeah, it just seems obvious. I mean, you're not doing anything else with the back of the moon. Just put a fucking camera back there and call it a day. Yeah. Uh, you have ships. Whatever. It's. I mean, additionally, even if they're like, oh, they hide, they hid behind the moon. I'm like, yeah, but they had to get behind the moon to begin with. Wouldn't you detect them going behind the moon? No. You see, our guards take these ninety degree right angles, and they always have their flashlights extending cones out in front of them. And if you are not specifically in that flashlight cone, they can't see you. But you do have to move at a crouch because if you move at a regular speed, you'll make noise, and that will alert them to, to look in your direction. Oh yes. Mm-hmm. And then you'll get that. Boing! Yeah. <laughs> Bring, and then you have to do a random fight. It sucks. Dun 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 dun. It's uh. Instead, I think they just hid behind a series of moons. All it's moons. Series of moons. It's moons all the way here. So yeah, they try to contact this random ship. They're like, hey, uh, hey, hey, what's going on? No response. Who are you, random aliens? No response at all. And then. They start taking out the booster satellites that surround, there are four of them, that surround the planet Jaldia. It turns out that Jaldia's got weird energy problems in its atmosphere. Yeah, it has real problems trying to get any communications out normally Mm -hmm. and requires these booster satellites in order to actually get anything through their weird atmosphere. The problem is that their their atmosphere is surrounded by big dick energy fields. <laughs> I love them. I saw big dick energy fields <laughs> open up for the magnetic fields one time. <laughs> Glad that you the obvious band inspiration it just had them together. Yeah, they of course toured together, not because they sound anything alike, yeah. but just because they had similar names. Yeah, big dick energy field touring with magnetic fields and they both did an awesome cover, although completely different, of the fields of Athenry. Weird, right? Yeah, it's a just just and then they all played the movie field of dreams Ugh. and then they ate cookies can you guess what brand john <laughs> grandma's <laughs> that's right that's right like such as <laughs> so yeah they respond just by starting to destroy off satellites and joldia doesn't really have any sort of defense force it says in this chapter that they have only been space capable for about 26 years yeah, and they 
have mostly been relying on the fact that their planet strategically isn't in any place that anyone gives a shit about. They don't have any resources anyone gives a shit about. And they're, like, friendly with the Federation, so if anyone did want to just randomly fuck with them, they would be able to call in the Federation. The thing I find impressive about the Jaldians here is that it mentions that they've only been space-capable for 26 years, specifically. Uh, and that, that implies that they went from space to warp in 26 years, which is damn impressive. Well, it took us like 250 between Sputnik and Zephram Cochran. I mean, it, we don't know that they have warp. They're just It just says they've been in space for 28 years. You have to have warp before the Federation contacts you. That's the prime directive. Well, maybe the 28 years is it's been 28 years since we had warp. Uh, okay. It says space capable, not warp capable. I just it's, it says I, I made a canny 28 observation. years since they ventured into space. See, that's what I mean. That's space capable. No. We ventured into space in, like, 1961. Oh, anyway. <laughs> Maybe they ventured into space and accidentally saw a spaceship and were like, oh, fuck. <laughs> nope, pass. <laughs> it's all Borg cubes and shit out there. <laughs> nah, good. You keep it. <laughs> Anyone got any fog gods that's wandering around? Maybe nah, they've good. had warp capability for forever, and they actually meant that they only for the past 26 years have been fluidic space capable. Huh. Going yeah. to, to visit Species 8472. Good. A species that doesn't get a name other than the Borg designation for them, even after people meet them and have long meetings with them and stuff. They just keep calling them that. Indeed. Anyway. More about Species 8472. <laughs> Ugh. I hate that you have watched Voyager at all. <laughs> I'm still trying. I know, because I've been really irritating about my ideas for how to build an entire ship. <laughs> about out. how stupid Voyager's dumb garbage was. <laughs> I'm just saying, if the mobile emitter exists, that means you can re reverse engineer it and build an entire ship that's a holodeck. Ugh. Hologram, even. No. No, you can't. You specifically can't. No, I can't. You are not allowed to have this theory. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm not allowed to have theories. That's right. Well, I hold you in contempt, sir. <laughs> Damn it, I shouldn't have watched that Rick and Morty courtroom thing. Now you've got that in your head. Uh, anyway. You fuck man. <laughs> Suck my dick. <laughs> uh, so Morna appreciably is all fucked up because they've lost all but one of their satellites. Uh-huh. Which means it's going to be almost impossible to get a, re a emergency distress message out to the Federation. And <laughs> I love that it takes the Chancellor being like, well, fucking send out another distress call, you idiot. And he's like, oh, yeah, probably should uh, do that. Well, I guess I'll try. Oh, no. Well, what's the oh no? They've destroyed the last of the satellites. I I don't think our last communication went out. Oh, we're just bonered. Yeah, I mean, I, we don't really know what these aliens are doing yet, but presumably it's something bad. Presumably. At this point, he's just like, all right, well, I, I guess we mobilize what little defense force planetary-wise we have and try and... Mm -hmm. not get fucked up by these dudes. I guess that's the plan. So uh, there you go. That, uh, yeah, and then Morna signs off because he's going to go try and fix the problems. Yeah, Morna will never sign off. But also he... Show yourself, coward. <laughs> but also he takes a rag and wipes the sweat off his fat forehead and says, mercy. I'm pretty... <laughs> I mean, he doesn't actually say mercy in the book, but I think it's implied. Uh, I think we can all gather that that's what happens. Yeah, I'm pretty sure, right? Pretty sure. I don't know what else he would have said. John, do you have any ideas? Uh, I don't know. Probably like, Saints and Begora. <laughs> You're making him Irish. I thought he was like a big fat Southern dude. <laughs> yeah, I know he is. <laughs> but he's Southern Irish. Hot today. Hot yesterday, too. <laughs> Why, it's hotter than a cat's nipple on a tin roof during summertime while I'm baking barbecue ribs. <laughs> I find myself in need of a mint julep or other cooling beverage for i am in a parturient condition that i do not enjoy oh goodness laws yes <laughs> well all right so that's what he does that, that is indeed what happens presumably off screen like such as what else is happening <laughs> uh next chapter we check in with arid and he's <laughs> Having a dream. That's right. It's an obvious dream sequence. All the book tries to sell it as sort of maybe something weird has happened. Yeah. So the whole dream sequence is, oh, Eric's back with his parents and they're so happy to see him. And they're like, 
boy, son, it's great that all of that weird transformation stuff stopped and you're back to normal and that you're here. We love you, son. Mm -hmm. It's good that you don't have big, hard purple blood vessels anymore. It's so great. And son, we just want to say it's wonderful you're here. And also... The president called and said, ooh, you're so muscly, but not in a weird freak way. Yeah. No, he was like, he was like, congratulations, son. You're the most muscly person in the country. <laughs> you did it. And it's the president's job each and every week to congratulate the biggest muscly muscle man. And it's you. With the you're, most muscles. You're so muscly and so <laughs> good looking. You're so good at saving the president. <laughs> uh Hold on, hold on. I know I'm dreaming, but what president? Hold on, what? <laughs> this isn't the 80s. We don't just save whatever president is currently the president. We check first. <laughs> we we give a little information. <laughs> uh, so he has that whole thing, and he's like, oh, everything's wonderful, but oh no. Then he starts to feel a familiar heaviness, mm -hmm. a dumpiness circling around his legs. <laughs> He's feeling that traditional heaviness and dumpiness. He needs to consider, uh, I'm going to make up a drug name. Ask your doctor today. I will eventually make up the drug name. Yeah, ask your doctor, Is Jaldion is right for you. <laughs> That's a pretty good one. I'm all right with that. Yeah. <laughs> Do you have heavy dumpins around your leg bits? Try Jaldion so you can live your best life. Or just dump in a toilet instead of just doing it while you're standing there. That'd stop you being... Quit being, having heavy dumpins on your legs. From, from being mired in your own heavy dumpins. Clint Howard's heavy dumpins. <laughs> Come on down to Clint Howard's Heavy Dumpins. Do you want dumpins? We got them. They're heavy. Oh, boy. I know people are going to get mad at us about this episode, but truth be told, the episode would be nine minutes long if we didn't do all this shit. <laughs> truth be told, even if it wasn't, I'd still be doing all this shit. <laughs> uh, so, Arid starts to retransform, and he's like, Oh, no, parents, you must run, for I am going to ejaculate laser beams. My laser hands will laser the area. Oh, no. I'm going to laterally explore for the next three houses. <laughs> oh, God, parents, this thinly veiled metaphor for puberty is about to happen. <laughs> you have to get out of here. Or I'm about to shoot white hot light. Oh, if I had a girlfriend, she'd kill me. <laughs> oh, wait, I do. I do have a girlfriend. Her name's Kolba or Korba or something. Korba, yeah. Korba. And he eventually wakes up after shooting his mom accidentally with some laser beams. Mm -hmm. They're going to call it the Korba night maneuver. <laughs> and uh, he's like, oh, fuck. Oh, yeah, that's right. I'm with Korba. The beams. My hurting my mother. It was just a nightmare. Just a dream. A phantom. A figment. Just a momentary diversion on the pathway towards death. Just a mirage in my own dreamscape. <laughs> my thoughts given form but not substance. A shadow dancing on a cave wall. All this like sands through an hourglass, <laughs> thinks Arid. Ah, my dreams are but tears in the rain. <laughs> Time to die. <laughs> uh. <laughs> but no, what actually happens is... There's shit going down. Yeah. He looks over and sees that Corba is super worried. Mm -hmm. And she's like, oh, shit, you got to see this. Oh, she's got to see this. Well, I mean, technically, she just says, look. Yeah. So she says, look, because uh, out the window, that scene from Mass Effect 2 where the collectors are collecting all those people on that one colony is happening. Yeah, all those bugs. Yeah, they there's bugs everywhere. There's one really, really scared dude in the same room as you. Yeah, someone's... Assuming direct control. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, it turns out the aliens are not recognizable still, but they have landed in landing craft in Verdeen, the city that the uh, Transformed are hiding in. And he sees that they are currently hauling off two of the Transformed, are yeah, these aliens. The, the woman who can turn invisible and the man who can grow 12 feet tall. Which I gotta say, the fact that they got the invisible woman is, uh... That's that's some some good know-how. To be fair, all she could do is turn invisible. She can't create force fields in their brain and shit. She's a pretty crappy invisible Well, woman. I mean, the fact that they found her. Uh, that's true. She was probably invisible. Maybe they just threw flour in the room or something. Yeah, that's right. They're they threw like, flowers in the room, and she was like, Achoo! I'm so <laughs> allergic to these flowers! Oh no, they make me visible! <laughs> 
I'm only vi- invisible when I'm not sneezing. Every sneeze makes me invisible and then visible again on the next sneeze. That's how my mutant power works. Uh, so then he, they get the message from Paul Duell and he's like, hey, uh, someone found us. They are currently just breaking into the first building and dragging people out. So, uh, fuck off if you can. Run, run as fast as you can. Like, they have ridiculous stun weapons that put the stuff we were shot with to shame. Yes, and notably, uh, we don't get to see the the aliens and what they look like. They're dressed in heavy battle armor that obscures all their features. Yeah, they're probably the Shi'ar. They could very easily be the Shi'ar. Who are running low on mutants, and so they've come to another dimension to get some ba- to get some we spare mutants. We gotta re up the mutants. <laughs> We're running a little light on mutants, says Apocalypse, as one more of his Dark Riders is randomly forgotten about. <laughs> Why is Apocalypse given anything to do here? I don't know because can he get through dimensions? Maybe. I mean, no, probably right. I mean, he's the one who has his own age. Yeah, but that was someone else going through dimensions. They just gifted him an entire age. Oh, okay. Who They're did, like, here, have an age. Who did that? Uh, Legion. Oh, Legion was he the one. He went back in time, and he was going to kill Magneto, uh-huh. and then uh, Charles got in the way of the blast, died instead, which, of course, means that he was never born, mm-hmm. but then it means that Magneto then became the Charles Xavier of that dimension, okay. creating the good version of X-Men, fighting against the apocalypse forces mm. although apocalypse does win now wolverine takes out one of cyclops's eyes but in doing so loses one of his hands Makes so sense. cyclops yeah. is now an actual cyclops yeah and I, I actually had the action figures of both of them from the age of apocalypse era so i remember the hair over his eyes cyclops and the one-handed wolverine yeah and the just like a metal stump that was wolverine's hand yes john by the way think in apocalypse note for you Remember in the last episode, I was mentioning that one of the action figures I had as a kid uh, was some random X-Man villain who was a big, hairy, like, sloop-shouldered caveman-type dude, and you could open up his back, and there was a smaller version of him in there, Mm -hmm. and neither of us could figure out who the fuck that is. Yeah. Well, it turns out it's a regular problem for a lot of X-Men fans, because... That doofus of a character, because I did some background research in it, uh, with the help of my brother, we figured this shit out. Uh, Do some real good sleuthing. That was like the fourth wave of X-Men toys in that line, and it was the most popular wave of toys because it had some really good characters in it. Mm -hmm. But the villains it had were some dumps, just some useless dumps. (laughs) And that character is a very minor background character of of the team for Apocalypse called the Dark Riders named Tusk. Tusk. Mm-hmm. He's called Tusk because there are two bone projections growing up out of the top of his back. Uh, not not out of his mouth, specifically. They're, Weird. They're back tusks. So he's got a big pair. He look, basically looks like a caveman ear saber tooth with back tusks. And his powers are that he is super strong. Also, he can create small versions of himself that are also super strong. <laughs> he's a mega minor character who's only shown up like twice ever. Usually is consistently and immediately forgotten about, but is confounding to legions of kids who had that toy because he's not anywhere. Yeah, there's no way you can be like, hey, who's the big strong guy in X-Men? You're like, ooh, baby, you got to do better than that. And it doesn't help when they hear it. Also, he can make little versions of himself or possibly only one little version of himself because that's all he came with. <laughs> Much like how the Max is about that one big blue purple dude and one is. <laughs> and that one is. Was it a black or a white is? Uh, I don't know. I had the, the deluxe Max that came with six is. Ooh. Thank you. And it was three Were of they... each. Oh, you got three of each. Okay, yeah. that's good. Mm-hmm. So you got ones from the real world and the dreamscape world. That's correct. I didn't know any of that. I bought it. This, this is one of my Sam Goody buys. Yeah, you just walk into Sam Goody and go, what the fuck is the Max? I don't know, but I'm buying this. I knew who the Max was. I didn't know what is were because all the episodes of the Max I had seen so far were either the is were just background stuff or what. And I never read the comic. Uh, okay. Yeah. yeah, I had a lot of the original Max run in comics okay. and watched the show. Yeah, I, I, I didn't do those things. But Sam Goody at the time period, this is the 90s, of course. The 90s, uh, of course, was a different time. We had an onion tied to our belt. <laughs> Sam Goody. You could go in there and get action figures of whatever you wanted. Give me three bees for a quarter, they'd say. Bees, of course, is what we called ska music, and a quarter was $45. <laughs> you could go in there, and if you wanted an action figure of Ozzy Osbourne, why, goddammit, that was your right as an American. Yeah, you could either get an action figure of Ozzy Osbourne or an anime mecha Ozzy Osbourne where he comes with an alternate head. That's right. As an American, that was all right. <laughs> oh, now it's Obama. <laughs> 
I uh, <laughs> definitely purchased the circus version of the Kiss action figures. Ooh, the Psycho Circus. <laughs> I had that video game, Kiss Psycho Circus. Nice. I really literally only have memories of, of Tower and Sam Goody as places where I went to buy fucking action figures made by McFarlane. Yeah. That's, that was the only reason I went in those stores. All my music I was stealing off Napster or whatever. Yeah, God bless him. I, I definitely had an Ozzy Osbourne and a Rob Zombie action figure. Mm-hmm. I had a Violator and a Clown, and I had them next to each other on a shelf for a while. Maybe I was the trench coat friend. Ooh, maybe you were. If you own more than one McFarlane, I mean, I don't now, so I don't feel like I'm, I'm definitely not a trenchman, trench coat friend. A trenchman. I'm, I'm not one of the the mighty trenchmen. na 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 Anyway, Corba and Arid run the fuck away, mm-hmm. and uh, they find like a back exit that they can go out, and they just run. Yeah. Now this is an interesting thought that the two of them just run because Corba's power is, you know, she got to go fast. Yeah, she but gotta... she slows down and stays with him. Yeah, because she loves this big purple idiot. She slept with him once, and now she's way into this dude, and is, you know, I guess that makes sense given that all of his blood vessels are all big and purple and hard, <laughs> veiny, veiny, thick. <laughs> uncut <laughs> when you think about it this dude must have a really interesting dongus <laughs> man i really thought you were gonna say this dude must have a really interesting personality <laughs> no we've we've spent several chapters with him now we know he doesn't <laughs> <laughs> so uh okay that's what's up with them anyway we jump back over to the enterprise where uh lieutenant sovar has just finished his shift has been told a by Riker that, you know, Jaldi is all fucked up. Mm-hmm. And so, of course, the first thing he is going to do is go find, like, the one friend he has, uh, Robinson, the person who does the transporter yeah. stuff. B.G. Robinson is her, apparently her full name. Yeah. Uh, so. Stands for Bam Goody. <laughs> what? <laughs> okay. You know, you know, we were just talking about Sam we're Goody. About Sam Goody. All right. Yeah, sure. Bam fair enough. Goody. Yeah. You couldn't think of a better BG in a hurry? No. It stands for BGs. She's named after the band <laughs> yeah, the BGs. The B stands for BGs, and the G stands for Goody. <laughs> BGs Goody is her name. BG for short, she has to be called. Johnny BGs Goody. <laughs> the B stands for BGs. The G stands for G, the BGs. <laughs> BGs, G, the BGs. Robinson. <laughs> If only I had a mnemonic device that would let me remember this. Well, it's definitely going to include that 1930s race playing the GB. <laughs> ah, yes, and CBGBs. <laughs> I got the heebie-jeebies from flying a GB to the, to the, CBGBs, the CBGBs to watch the Bee Gees. Uh, we should leave these. <laughs> over and out, I'll say, over my CB. Let's do this. Okay, we're done here. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he goes and finds uh, Robinson who has booked some time on the holodeck. Yes, yeah, she has recorded a re- requested a single hour of holodeck good times. Hell yeah. And what is she doing in there? Why, she is recreating the environment of that that song that Data sa- and Banshee sang. Yeah, it had like, oh, blue halls of marble and like a view over some mountains or whatever the fuck. And so she's like, okay, I'm going to make a big marble palace and have a ridiculous view and even though the song was talking about like servants and things there's mm-hmm. no one else there it's yeah, just well, her that that part's hard to program which is why you just need to program a hollow spaceship and not a holographic crew if you're going to make a cool hollow yeah it's, it's way easier to get the workings of an entire spaceship made out of hard light than just a dude walking around as is famously shown every time someone goes into the holodeck and people don't work <laughs> You fuck man. That worked very well. That's what the that was the big foil to Moriarty in all those TNG episodes. <laughs> is that he, he kept glitching? He kept getting stuck in the walls. <laughs> How do I jump? How do I talk to an angel? Press X to jump. Press F to give respects. <laughs> Pro tip: Press A and B to jump in Moriarty. <sighs> yes. So, I guess he just sort of goes in there without knocking because he's. As much of an asshole as Jordy LaForge is. <laughs> That's the is. custom on the holodecks of the Enterprise. Just come on in. Get ready to see some dicks. Oh, yeah. He had to talk to someone now. So, fuck it. He's just opening up the doors, which... <sighs> should there be, like, a lock on there where you'd have to be like, doo-doo? No, because if, uh, if you were locked up the holodeck, obviously you were doing something filthy in there. Filthy the only thing you should be allowed to do on the holodeck is... is 
wholesome things that you wouldn't mind being walked in on. Like trying to solve a murder. Yeah. Or boning, because, I mean, ultimately, that's a perfectly wholesome activity that anyone could participate in. Yeah, just throwing them down. Yeah, just throwing them bones. Getting these bones all down. <laughs> no, but uh, apparently you could just walk right into the holodeck. Anyone can, even an ensign like Sovar. Yeah. And, uh, indeed, there is Robinson bedecked in purple in a ridiculous like gown or something. Just sitting in here. This is... Very, not doing anything. It's like a Minecraft moment. She was just like, hey, I'm going to recreate the scene of a song I heard earlier and then sit in there. Just look out at the holographic mountains. Mm -hmm. Oh, boy. How nice. Uh, yeah. So he's like, hey, I, I don't want to interrupt your scenario or anything, but uh, your scenario sucks. <laughs> this let's is some, garbage. Let's get some action missiles in <laughs> Computer here. Disco? <laughs> <sighs> Computer disco. Computer, just fill this thing with animals. Just <laughs> Computer, run whatever Barclay's last thing was. Oh, God, no. Ah, <laughs> uh, please don't make me. <laughs> that was such a bad command that the computer voiced, uh, forgot it was voiced by Magil Barrett. And yep. Just went straight to a oh, big... Oh, God. Oh, no. I've lost all personality. <laughs> I'm no longer using my Loaxana Troy voice. <laughs> uh, so he spills the beans about how Jaldi is now covered in super-powered people, and that the government rounded them all up, mm -hmm. and then they escaped. Yes. And, of course, Robinson's like, yeah, good. I would have tried to escape, too, if someone had put me in a fucking concentration camp. Yeah, that shit's not cool. And he's like, but you don't understand. Like, there are people nearby. They could get hurt by these freaks. Oh. I gotta be set up so that when I find out my brother is one of them, it sucks. Mm -hmm. He's just setting out, he, he's just laying out his petard. Yeah. Yeah. To Picard. He's put the... <laughs> Picard, my petard is here. Please, <laughs> please get out of that leotard. <laughs> get out of that leotard before you retard my petard. <gasps> the Enterprise. Mm -hmm. <laughs> they are on their way, and he's like, I don't know what we're doing, but it is, like, priority one alert. We are going there, warp nine, which normally no ship goes above, like, warp six, because it'll tear at the fabric of reality. There's a season five or six episode on TNG where they establish that, that warp is fucking up the plant, the, the galaxy. They're like, oh, and, if we go super fast in warp, it tears subspace. And then they set a rule that no one can go that speed anymore, and then that rule is never referenced on the other two shows. Yeah. No one cares anymore. <laughs> yeah. Although I can see Janeway just being like, fuck subspace. <laughs> <laughs> fuck Picard, fuck subspace. I don't like the Kazon. <laughs> just set warp nine and she just like holds her middle finger out the window of the starship. Middle finger straight up creating a vortex eddy behind it that's ruining subspace. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, it's that or spend five years talking to Neelix and three years talking to Chakotay. I assume he'll die soon. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, they're like, okay, so are they sending us to round up super beings then? And he's like, I guess, probably. Or help them. One of those things. We're going to... Probably we're, what I assume is we will round them up yeah. because they are dangerous freaks. Uh, and it's a good thing none of them are related to me. Also, he hasn't been on the Enterprise, uh, this Enterprise long enough to realize that the way it works is you go to the planet, Picard talks with everyone, realizes the rebels are right, and then convinces the people in charge of the planet that the rebels are right and they need to come together in the middle. Yeah. <sighs> That's, so, that's every TNG episode. He just hasn't seen it yet. Yeah, he just hasn't been privy to such things. Mm -hmm. uh, however, in the middle of their conversation, the hollow deck hollow grid just sort of actually comes into focus. So, like, the mountain vista that was in the background just becomes that black and yellow stripey nonsense. Yeah, all that black stripe with the yellow paint. <laughs> How dare you? How dare I what? Black paint with yellow stripes. No, it's black stripe, yellow paint. Come yeah. on. There's another song. Let's fight. <laughs> Are we fighting now? We're going to fight. <laughs> but that's the way the song goes. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> Why are you so mad? Do we need to pause this and look up black and yellow? We don't. Okay. <sighs> so it turns out Shadow Cat steps out from the fucking wall because whenever Shadow Cat walks through anything electronic, it disrupts it. So, of of course, the first thing she's going to think is, oh, I should just start walking through any given wall on a spaceship hurtling through space with me in it. I assume logically that all the walls on the spaceship are just hard light projections, because why wouldn't you build a holographic starship? <laughs> 
so I, I feel like it should be safe for me to just walk through all these walls. But no, she just fucks up the holodeck and is like, oh, no, I did. Uh, you know, that oh, makes sorry. sense. I, you know, it makes sense because my phasing does break electronics. Anyway, I was trying to get to a briefing room. Uh, and I, I was just, trying to get to engineering. I was planning on just walking through every console. Yeah, and, and they're just like, yeah, please get out of here. We're having a private conversation. Oh, gee, don't be like that. Gah. Yeah, the fact that she gets like, oh, okay, fine, be that way. And I'm like, you just walked through a wall on someone's private conversation. You're the asshole. How has she not learned this lesson already? How has she not at some power? point walked in on, like... Jean Grey just seriously topping Cyclops and not going like, oh, maybe I shouldn't do this. Oh, man, I'm glad you said topping Cyclops, because I was figuring the end of the sentence was just going to town on herself with everything floating in the room. <laughs> oh, no, she was 100% pegging that Cyclops, that that single brown eye, if you know what I mean. No, I totally get where you're going with that. Yeah, she was uh, she was giving she was opening up a portal to the fist dimension. <laughs> <laughs> Woo! Okay, so, uh, but anyway, yeah, she hasn't learned this lesson. Also, on the the Enterprise in particular, take the fucking hallway. It's going to be a much more direct route. It's a pretty well laid out ship. Yeah, I'm you don't psyched. know where you're going. We have a turbo lift. You can just tell it where you want to go, and it will take you there. Yeah, those fucking things are wonkavators. They go left and right in addition to up and down. Yeah, you walking through walls is just going to get you to a point where. Like this, you just start breaking shit on this ship, and you don't know yeah. if this is going to be like, oops, I accidentally walked into a like very important control panel, and now half of the life support is gone. Don't be an asshole. <laughs> they should have been like, just both collapsed to the ground, and when she was like, what's going on? That panel was venting the gas. We need to live. Jerks. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, a lot of them. But anyway, they're just like, no, okay, anyway, we've heard your dumb excuse. Now get out of here. We're having a conversation. Like, oh, fine. Fine. Ugh. God, I guess I'll go report everything I just heard to the X-Men. And indeed she does. Uh-huh. Because next we get uh, Picard, who's like, all right, I'm going to get all my shit ready, get some shuttles prepped to go down to Jaldia, because mm -hmm. yeah. we can't just teleport down there because the fucking atmosphere is dumb we already talked about how the atmosphere is too full of big dick energy to teleport through it or fly through it safely so it's going to be all shuttles all the time yeah and while doing this of course all of the x-men show up mm -hmm. they just walk into picard well they don't walk in but but uh riker, riker comes in and he's like come and they open the door and it's storm i think it's i mean it's all of them yeah but then storm is revealed to not be alone because all of the X-Men are there behind her. Yeah. And Banshee. Even, even and the ones that weren't on the ship in the first place. All of the X-Men are there. Magic's here. Weird, right? Maggot. M. Just the ones that start with M. Lots of the M. Just all the M mutants are here. <laughs> Medpool. Meast. <laughs> Myclops. <laughs> Wolverine. <laughs> Uh, I am kind of a big fan of Mean Gray, though. That's <laughs> I'm Mean Gray. That's, you know, she never did pick a good code name, and that's a pretty good that's one. a good one. <laughs> mean Gray. Yeah. That's amazing. Why wouldn't you take that? I'm Mice Man. <laughs> that completely changes his powers. Yeah, it's terrible. <laughs> yeah, no one's. I mean, that's uh, Matto Cat is also a real problem. <laughs> Matto Cat, you. <laughs> Also, I'm going to go ahead and say it that that uh, it, it, the one person who can't do this because it turns into some kind of antique slur is definitely Manshee. <laughs> I thought that's what you were going to say. <laughs> Although molasses just sounds like it's some sort of microbrew. <laughs> this is the worst conversation anyone's ever had. <laughs> <sighs> so they're like... Mambit. Okay, anyway. <laughs> <sighs> Munfire. <laughs> Go ahead. I can't stop. <laughs> Munderbird. Someone has to stop us. <laughs> I will die doing this. Oh, I remember that. And, and then eventually one of the, the X-Men joined Worf's family and she became Moog of the House of Moog. <laughs> get it? You do, get it? Do you get do, it? Do you get? All right. I promise I'm going to stop after three more. <laughs> So they show up, and the X-Men are just like, hey, uh, 
we hear you're going down to a planet full of superpowered people. And he's just like, gee, how the fuck did you find that? Who told you this? Why why do I have no security in this ship? And they're like, oh, Shadow Cat overheard two people talking about it when she recklessly used her powers in your ship after you just had a conversation with Archangel not to do that, and I seem to be on board with it, but whatever. And you cited her as a direct example of the kind of thing that he shouldn't be doing. Yeah. Or he should be doing instead, rather. Excuse me. Like, oh, Nightcrawler's not jumping around. I'm just waiting for him to start bamfing into places. <laughs> Oh, you made ten forwards smell like nasty eggs. <laughs> you yeah. damn fart goblin, get yes, out of here. But I've created a great deal of water on particles. <laughs> That's what I call my farts. <laughs> It'd be great if it turned out that farts were also just randomly <laughs> full just of verderon particles. That's right. Humanity gets rid of our excess verderon particles through flatulence. That's why Riker has that flap in the back. <laughs> Indeed. The ship needs those Verderon particles <laughs> for science. Uh, so, yeah, now that they know, they're like, you got to take us with you. Mm -hmm. Like, we have some special uh, interest in this as well as some qualifications. We have been where they are before. Mm -hmm. We understand what they're going through. We're also probably the most well-equipped to deal with anyone down there if they aren't going to be, like, peaceful. And, you know, Picard's like, I don't know if that's true. You guys aren't from this dimension, even. And they're like, yeah, but you don't understand the psychological ramifications of what it means to be immediately disregarded by your own culture for being different from them against your own will. Yeah, we understand both the fear and hatred that they are getting from others and the self-loathing that they're probably going through as well. Yes, so ultimately, you're definitely going to need our help on this, and it's just a wonderful coincidence that we're here. Also, that their planet starts with an X. I mean, that is just... <laughs> That's just... <laughs> it's a good thing we're here, the Mex-Men. <laughs> now take us to planet Maldia. <laughs> I almost wanted to go with the M-Men, but the, the I think Mex-Men sounds better. I think if they were to introduce the M-Men to the, uh, the, the Marvel Universe... Oh, that's true. They should, give, they should go ahead and give us a call. I was thinking of the metal men. I am also now thinking of the metal men. <laughs> you know, Mercury, Min, Melatinum. No, I'm done. I'm done. I'm sorry. I'm, Molybdenum. I'm, I'm stopping. Everyone's stopping here. Everyone's done. We're all done. Mm -hmm. Anyway, so he turns to Storm and is like, all right, Mororo. God damn it. <laughs> I'm done anyway. Uh, I'll let you come with us, but on one condition. You've got to follow my goddamn orders. Mm -hmm. This is a oh, well-oiled machine, and I need you to do whatever I say, and you're just there as, like, advisors unless I tell you otherwise. Yeah, and of course that prompts Wolverine to be like, Listen here, bub, I only play by one person's rules, and that's nobody, except for my own rules, which I don't even play by. No one's rules but mine and not even those. Ugh. And... <laughs> Captain's like, my dude, I will teleport you out of this ship. <laughs> Shut up, you hackneyed premise. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, God, you're worse than Labot Blue. Get out of here. <laughs> uh, so, you know, Storm's eventually like, okay, well, is there any other way that, I mean, because we're kind of used to working on our own. And he's like, yeah, I don't give a fuck. <laughs> You're going to respect my chain of command. I don't give a hot gay fuck. Legalize weed, dude. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure it is legal in, in the Star Trek universe. I'm sure. But they all instead get high off holodeck time. So, eventually... And a job well done. <laughs> Storm is like, all right, if those are your terms, we accept. We will follow your lead and take our cues from you. We won't go off and just be superheroes. Mm -hmm. And that's the but Can we get some of them onesies? Those look comfy as fuck. What, a, what <laughs> is that, me from that. me undies? No, is that micromodal? <laughs> Listen here, I'm Riker, and no, they are not comfortable in the slightest. But you know what is comfortable? My bed. <laughs> My quarters. I'll take you and you and... Ah, oh, hell, you're all welcome. Ah, <laughs> get all in here. <sighs> I hate so. that they've basically forgotten that Colossus exists at this point. Yeah, Colossus didn't get anything anything here. He has gotten no business on the ship talking to anyone. He didn't was he wasn't talking to anybody but, but blah, he wasn't talking to anyone, but he was mentioned as someone that was being examined by Crusher. Yeah, but he hasn't gotten any business. Like no. he was he's been mentioned being also in the room, mm -hmm. but he hasn't 
every other character has been like, let me sit down with one of the TNG people and have a conversation. Because there's natural pairings that develop, but Colossus technically can only exist if he's ruining the day of a woman who's younger than him. <laughs> and the Enterprise famously doesn't have any of those, so... Oh, it famously has a shitload of those. <laughs> he's going to go down to, like, I don't know, one of the schools or something and be <laughs> like, hello, Tovarish, it is I, Colossus, I'm here to ruin day. My goal is to meet inaccessible woman and then realize she is inaccessible shortly thereafter. <sighs> that's that's the, uh, there you go, that's, that's the chapters. We, we, that's the due diligence, we did it. We did it, we did those chapters. Mm -hmm. We did them. We did them up hard, we did them up right. Now, if you'll excuse me, I have a copy of the Crow 2 soundtrack, and it's Trenchman's Eve. <laughs> and, and a blessed Trenchman's Eve to you, good sir. <laughs> the traditional response to that is to call you a uh, probably some sort of fool in a low, guttural voice under my breath. <laughs> fool. Fool. Fart bag. Poser. <laughs> Fart punch my ball bag. <laughs> uh, <sighs> anyway... <laughs> We have some bonus content for you. Oh my gosh, we ever have some bonus content for you. We've got bonus content and merch and stuff coming out of our ears right now. God, we have so much going on right now. It's crazy. You'd think that just two lazy sacks not doing anything wouldn't have anything going on, and yet here we do. And yet here, we're not. We're two lazy sacks that have plenty going on. Mm -hmm. So, first of all, the bonus content for this show, the expanded, expounded universe, can be found at patreon.com slash systemmastery for a low, low entry uh, to have uh, two bucks. Two bucks. Two bucks. Two, two bucks, bucks, two bucks, two bucks. Two bucks buys you uh, about four bonus episodes a month, give or take, of hot, sweet Star Trek or sometimes Star Wars content, depending on what the current book or is. Or X-Men. Or X-Men. Could be X-Men. Could be X-Men. Could just be the Marvel Universe in general. Yeah, you never know. Fuck it. I might do something on, like, the Kree. I don't know. You didn't, though, did you? Uh, I don't know. Okay, so anyway, especially because you've been alternating, and it's your turn to do a Star Trek one if I'm not... No, no you right. are mistaken. I am mistaken. It's an X-Men one coming out of the it pipeline. Is. Yeah, okay. So uh, anyway, you can find those at patreon.com slash systemmastery for the $2 level. Uh, we have Especially good if you're one of those people that... Started listening to us because you're super into Star Wars, but never got big into Star Trek or X-Men. We get a lot more background info on a lot of dumb nonsense. The other day, I accidentally logged myself out of our Patreon account, and when I was logging back in, I got to look at what my account lo the account looks like uh, according to Patreon. Did you know that we have 472 episodes of bonus content? That's too many. <laughs> and that's we're about to go record another one. 473 is going to be done by the end of this evening. So if you're looking for something to really dig into... Uh, laugh along with for lots and lots of commute time we're your guys yeah we got the meats mm -hmm. we're arby's of bonus content yeah and you gotta look out for our new show trench coat friends coming soon yeah that's coming out yeah honestly i really feel like trench coat friends where you just discuss shit from the late 90s that like trench coat dorks were into would so work as a show it would be great yeah. i would love it yeah so watch for that maybe for april fools or something <laughs> okay so uh anyway also, we just have a bunch of merch available. If you like System Mastery merch, go to our Etsy store. Just Google Etsy System Mastery. And we yeah, just we got, got a bunch of new pins in. Yeah, we got pins. We got dice. We're running low on dice. Get in there and get them before they're gone. But we got a bunch of new soft enamel pins in System Mastery styles. So once again, you can find all that stuff by just Googling Etsy System Mastery and it'll put you right on top of it. And finally, we got a book coming out. We do have a book coming. And it's coming fast. That's, yeah, it's going to release in early December. I think it's telling people the digital copy will be available by, like, the 3rd of December. Yeah. Now, my birthday is in early December, so if you're looking for a gift to get me, definitely buy me copies of my own book. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Buy you book. <laughs> buy me my book uh. at CBGB's. <laughs> Uh, so that's called A Dragon Walks Into a Bar. It's a book of role-playing game jokes, and it can be found on Amazon or the Simon & Schuster website. Uh, help us sell it, because we need to make the money back, or they'll break our thumbs to get the advance. That's right. That's how that works. That's how that works. Mm -hmm. That's uh, famously how Simon & Schuster operates. Thumb breakers, a lot of them. Yeah. Mm -hmm. They'll put the screws to you. <laughs> Thumb screws. <laughs> they'll send you to the fishes. They'll send you to the fishes. You'll s sleep with concrete. <laughs> That was a reference for our canny-eyed movie mastery listeners who remember the Christmas with the Cranks episode specifically. 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 And none of them do. Yeah, that's true. None of, even though that's one of my favorite episodes of movie mastery we ever did. Oh, yeah. Anyway, that's the book. Go buy it. Help us out. It, buy, it actually unlocks a bunch of stuff for you. We have, like, 
two different promotions running for if you buy the book right now. Yep. You get bonus colors on our Discord, and also we're making a bonus show based on the number of pre-orders we get. Uh, For each pre-order I get until December starts, we're going to do an episode in December of things we hate about Dungeons & Dragons, one per per pre-order. And how to fix it. And how to fix it. One thing per pre-order. That's right. If you want longer episodes, we need more pre-orders. Because if it's just four people, then we're going to go in and be like, you know what I hate? This, 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 this. Jeff, thanks. Good night. <laughs> I, there's going to be a point where, you, where enough people pre-order it that we have to do more than one episode of this. There's a chance that'll happen. There's a chance this will spill over. Mm-hmm. Just like my cup. It'll runneth over. Yeah, you, qu- you keep putting too much stuff in your cup. I know. I've, I've talked to you about this. Well, my junk's just too big for that cup. Why would you ever wear a cup? <laughs> <laughs> paranoia? <laughs> I guess that's fair. I'm going to go just, play Paranoia, and I need a cup. <laughs> I need this cup. It'll psych out the other guys. <laughs> I need to wear this cup and nothing else. That's right. <laughs> that's how you play Paranoia. That's why it's such a great game. Thanks for listening, everybody. Thank you so much. I'm the best there is at what I do. <laughs> and what I do is play Paranoia in a cup. <laughs>